another edition of the kaiju kingdom podcast i am your host chris eaton all right everyone i know i said last time uh that maybe our last episode of the year before or at least until jessica got back but uh nope nope no no things are going on and i felt you know let's not let's not sit on our hands on this let's talk about it because there's there's much to talk about it is just me this episode fair warning if uh, you're tuning in you're hoping to hear you know the Sweet voice of Jessica. She is uh, still in Japan. She is at Super Riotcon right now, where uh, quite a bit of the news that we're going to be talking about today is originating from. Uh, we will have a full recap of the show from her when she returns. Uh, she comes back in about another week. So hopefully we can get one more show out before the end of the year. But there was so much breaking that I wanted to cover it before it kind of became passe and already moved on to, to something else. Because I felt, you know what, that this is... It's too good to, to not talk about. Uh, along with, um, well, some uh, tomfoolery concerning Godzilla vs. Kong. Then uh, get, get ready. I got a whole jag about that. Um, so if uh, <laughs> if uh, you are not, uh, it, well, it, if you don't like the sound of my nasally drone, or at least the jags are going, well, get ready, because this one's going to be a tough episode for you to sit through. Uh, with that being said, let's hop to some music, and then when we come back, we got a lot to talk about. So Super Icon is in full swing right now. 
And of the big announcements that came out last night, let's let's jump into the first one. If you have not seen SSSS.Gridman yet, please do. Go track it down. I know it's coming out on DVD very soon. I believe Funimation's putting it out. It was, I believe it's on Crunchyroll. So if you have Crunchyroll, you can watch it there. I'm still, I'm still kind of shocked that uh, Funimation didn't dub it and put it onto Adult Swim because it fits in with that aesthetic completely. But that being said, it is a joyous love letter to all things Tokusatsu, and it it gives it 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 takes from both the American version of the show, which was Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad, that's what those four S's stand for. And Gridman, of which you can actually watch on the Toku channel if you got, um, what is it, Amazon. You can subscribe there. That's how I watch it. But it is this joyous, beautifully animated series that it's probably as close to, you know, I don't know, just as close to Tokusatsu as you can get in animation. The uh, the series apparently did very well for itself uh, as well, considering all things considered. Trigger, they got, I think, under their belt, they have Kill a Kill, which was their first major TV series. They Then they did this. They have a couple, I, there was one other one, I believe, ah, top of my head. Sorry, I can't remember. And then they have a couple shorts. And then they just put out a movie called Promare. Uh, it wasn't the same team behind Gridman. It was, a, it was the team behind Kill a Kill. And, uh, eh, I did, that has, I have issues with that in, in the fact that it feels like, I love Trigger, but it does feel like that they, at times, cannot climb out of the hole that they dug for themselves with both Gurren Logan and Kill a Kill. Like, they're kind of stuck in this aesthetic. And Promare is a completely beautiful film, but there is, uh, a lot of, I don't, a lot of crutches being leaned on, um, I'll just leave it at that. If you're not into anime, you're not going to like it. If you're into anime, it's it's still a, a it's still something to to see and behold. I have my issues with it, but beyond that, Gridman, amazing, absolutely fantastic. It's one of the best shows I watched in 2018. And last night uh, at Super Icon, Trigger announced SSSS dot which indicates the coming of Dyna Dragon from the original Gridman series. The one thing I was really disappointed to see wasn't included in the initial Grid, uh, SSSS.Gridman series. I was, it's one of my, it was one of my absolute favorite toys as a kid. I had it. That thing was spectacular in the, uh, the Superhuman Samurai Cyber Squad version of it, which <clears throat> over here was called Drago. Awesome. It's, it, you give me robot dinosaurs, I'm, I'm a complete mark for all that stuff. Now, the way this was announced was that it is not an official sequel to Gridman. It is not season two. It is part of the Gridman universe. And the title indicates that it might not be Gridman at all. It might actually be uh, the Xenon team, which was the three uh, assault vehicles. And in the anime, they have a human form, which was the departure from the both uh live action series so that indicates they might be focusing on the side characters for this new show and possibly if they're if the original series was any indication 
uh, Dino Dragon might be either a character in its own or two characters because it was two separate assault vehicles that, you know, it was a ship. It was two two ships and a or a ship that turned into a cannon and like another ship and it, either way they turned into a giant mechanical T-Rex dragon thing and it is awesome. Uh, <clears throat> but that's just my theory right now. They they didn't announce much other than the entire team from the first uh, show is returning. Um, and the fact that it's the Gridman universe does indicate that there are possibly plans to really expand this world that they have created. Uh, the end of the first season of Gridman really left some things open because there were some questions and not only that, but they did, spoilers, tie it into the live action show as well. Um, there, there was still a lot, there was still a lot of unanswered questions. So I really hope that that's where we're going with this because either way, I, I'm absolutely overjoyed with the, with, with this announcement and just the fact that we're getting more of trigger doing pretty much uh, tokusatsu, which they are absolutely perfect for it. And not only that, but it's, it's traditionally animated for the most part. I mean, there is some CG in it, but they are, they're, they're kind of keeping, they're keeping the spirit alive. And that's what I love. Uh, no word on release yet. They just announced, Hey, it's coming. The, they, they announced it in this cool little like recap video. It was, you know, just a nice little recap of the first season. And then just cuts to the redesigned Dino Dragon. It's just this mouthy T-Rex mech looking thing. And it's, it's freaking awesome. I, I'm again, I'm a complete sucker for this stuff. Uh, yeah, that's, that's next year. And along it, if we're as long as we're in the anime news department, season two of the Ultraman anime on Netflix has been announced. It will be dropping April 1st, 2020, which is, I think roughly a year after the first series uh, debuted. I know a lot of people had mixed uh, mixed feelings about this show. I know Jessica herself was kind of on the on the seat on it because, as she said, they, her her words exactly as I as I asked her, I'm like, "Hey, what, did you watch it?" She's like, "Yeah." I'm like, "What'd you think?" And hers, it was just this this, this adorable like they they didn't get big. Like that's kind of the point. I'm like, "Yes, that is kind of the point." For me, I, I I actually did love it. I I've never read past the first volume of the manga, so it was going in pretty fresh. I knew that they didn't grow. I knew that the suits were a tech. I know it was a kind of an Elseworld story that ignores all the other Ultra shows except for the first Ultraman, <clears throat> and I kind of loved it. I I really enjoyed the character. I really enjoyed the new the new characters, the the modern take on the Ultraman mythos. All the aliens are kind of living in a slum. They're all fairly human esque. Uh, they're anthropomorphized, if you will. <clears throat> but I, I, part of it is I, I I was a sucker for Ultra Seven. Ultra Seven is my absolute favorite Ultraman. I love Ultra Seven. It was the coolest one. Yet uh, you know with the three helper monsters the the just his design rocks it is fantastic but in the show they made uh moriboshi such an asshole and it made it so much better i don't know why i was completely enthralled by it, by him in this not only that but i love the i love the suit designs in this thing it it's it's kind of an it's it's kind of an hologram of 
Space Knight Tekaman, at least Space Knight Tekaman Blade, a little bit of Giver mixed with Ultraman. And to me, that's like you're hitting all cylinders with it. Like, again, two things I absolutely love. A Giver is one of my deep, deep rooted loves. I have a special place for the 90s Tekaman series. I'd never watched the original one. It never had a chance to, but I do love Tekaman, Tekaman. And there's a lot of those uh, tropes in that first season. I was a complete sucker for it. The animation at times left a lot to be desired. It was a lot better than the CG uh, Godzilla films that came out on Netflix as well. Again, I'm not bashing those as either because I do like those movies. But it's a bigger overall complaint with where the industry is going in Japan with utilizing CG. I'm assuming it, it's probably cheaper. I don't know the full details of it, but there is something missing. There is a light. There, there is a, a life missing out of hand-drawn stuff that you can't replicate with computers at all. No one's come close. Um, that new Lupin film that's coming out uh, looks as close as you're probably ever going to get. Like they're it's a beautiful looking from the trailers. It looks absolutely gorgeous. And it looks like they're, they, they're trying their best to give that, you know, sense of warmth and, and, and excitement that uh, traditional anime had, especially the, uh, the Miyazaki uh, version of the castle Co- of Cogs Loretto. But again, it's still, to me, it still doesn't compare to, to hand drawn. And that's where uh, the Ultraman anime kind of really came up short. The, the fight scenes were fantastic. And I know that that's because they were all mo-capped. So you're still getting that organic kind of life to them. But whenever there was, you know, just talking or kind of characters just kind of like prancing around, it it was still a little stiff. And I'm hoping that season two kind of fixes those issues. But if not, where they left it off, I'm, I'm, I'm kind of excited to see where it goes. I, I know from kind of peeping forward into the books... Uh, we get a few more Ultraman in, in suits. Like we get a version of Jack and a couple of other things. You know, spoilers being what they are. But I, I'm looking forward to it. I hope everyone else is looking forward to it. Because it, again, any Ultraman, better than no Ultraman. And in this day and age, the fact that we're getting an Ultraman on a platform. Besides, you know, I, I know Mill Creek is releasing you know, all the series on DVD and then they got them streaming somewhere, but it's not, that's still nowhere as accessible as Netflix. And the fact that Netflix is putting this thing out, they're partially paying for it says a lot. And the fact, you know, that's, it's, it's adding to the fandom. So I, I'm grateful for it and I'm happy that we're getting season two. Absolutely astonished that, that, you know, I even live in a day and age where this stuff is even, you know, a reality. I never would have thought that. I mean, Growing up, the anime I had was the Ultraman uh, Jonas uh, version, which was... I, I had Return of Ultraman on VHS. I kind of took it from my uh, local warehouse video and watched that thing stupid. Not realizing there was a whole series connected to it, too. But uh, I digress.
All right, so a couple of months back, uh, I think going on like six months now, uh, out of nowhere, we got the bomb drop that Shinji Higuchi and Hideki Anno were teaming up again to give us their take on yet another iconic Japanese uh, sci-fi creation. They were tackling Ultraman in what they what was dubbed Shin Ultraman. Now, this time around, Higuchi would be directing with Anno uh co-writing along with higuchi uh the story and that was pretty much it we heard that and everyone's like oh snap considering what the two of them did with shin godzilla there was a lot of wild speculation of what shin ultraman was really going to be and the fact that it was announced two years out before it was going to be released it has a 2021 release date which i find uh i i found a little i don't know maybe Maybe a little suspicious. I don't know. Because I think uh, Shin Godzilla was announced at the end, very tail end of 2014. It might have been. I think it was like this time in 2014. It might have been. I'm not. I have to, I have to double check my notes. But they announced uh, Ano and Higuchi that April 2015. And then within a year, Shin Godzilla was released. Um, but I know behind the scenes there was other things going on. But... That being said, long way out, announcing a movie. So last week, word came down that production had wrapped. Initial production had wrapped on Shin Ultraman. They were done filming. It's in the can. So now, uh, I believe the FX stage goes in. And that, that raised another question. It's like, well, how, what, what, how exactly are they tackling this? Shin Godzilla was done completely in CG. They had built a um, big puppet initially for some shots. Side against using it, all mocap, which by the way, looks astonishing for a Japanese production. Like that, the fact that, that film only cost $15 million it should be shameful to a lot of American studios. Like, there are some legitimate masterpiece shots in that that film. But the the big thing was the fact was, all right, Gucci, Honor doing Shin Godzilla. What wacky crazy concepts are they gonna you know drag out of ultraman that they you know because their take on godzilla is very radical and it's still jarring to a lot of fans i know a lot of people love it a lot of people embraced it a ton of other people are like eh, i don't know the beauty is that it stands on its own it's its own self-contained godzilla it's not even the original godzilla it's it's its own thing like you can consider shin godzilla like an elseworld story so if you got to have you know your your completionist kind of thing you don't you can look at shin godzilla just like you look at the uh the the tristar godzilla they're two completely separate creatures that being said what are we going to look what what are we going to see with uh shin ultraman are they going to radically redesign them is this going to be like some deconstruction of uh the genre in in some cases that shin godzilla was like where are we going with this well we don't have tone of the film yet but we do have our first look at shin ultraman and i think to a lot of people's relief he looks like ultraman he looks just like ultraman in fact he looks eerily just like ultraman uh the higuchi was on hand to uh, unveil the excuse me the maquette of the of his ultraman along with uh some uh like i believe it's the first official still for the film and he looks exactly like the original 
concept art for uh, for Ultraman. Like before, he doesn't have the, the the biggest takeaway from this. He doesn't have the timer on his chest, and that was uh, if you know your lore, that was a la- I believe it was a last minute addition. So initially, when uh, he was designed, very thin, very little more, much more alien like, longer arms, very skinny. He looks a lot actually. He looks uh, akin to that. 2016 uh what was it um promo video that superaya created it was completely cg the one with the weird toes in the in the boots and the fact that his mouth kind of moves which was horrifically unsettling in, in, in many cases but that's what they're going with um I, i've already seen a lot of people like oh thank thank god it's not some wild wacky deformed version of ultraman um, and I'm assuming he's going to be mocap much like Shin Godzilla was, which kind of opens up a lot of, a lot of different aspects that you couldn't do with the suits, especially skin texture, possibly making the mouth move. I don't know. I hope that's not a thing. And just, you know, you can, you can play with the design a little bit more, like, especially having the longer arms, like the very alien-esque arms and legs, just and how he moves. There can be a lot played with this. But he looks great. He looks fantastic. I'll have... I got the pictures in the show notes if you want to check them out. I, I And I, I'm looking forward to, to this, especially after Shin Godzilla. I, I'm very curious of how, you know, these two guys are, are bringing us their alliteration of Ultraman because if Shin Godzilla's any indication, one way or another, it's going to be a completely batshit version of Ultraman. Or we could just be surprised, and it's the most kitty-friendly family thing you've ever seen. Almost, uh, you know, just mind-numbingly kitty. We don't know. We don't know. So I'm, I, I'm expecting we'll probably see a trailer maybe August, September. Considering it doesn't come out until 2021. Uh, and not only that, but there's no even release date on that in 2021. Just sometime in 2021. Uh, we got a long way to go, and uh, you know there's there's a lot that can be done in that time. But until then, I'm I'm kind of happy to see uh, I'm kind of happy to see you know a big budget Ultraman that looks like Ultraman. The color time the the fact that the timer's not there is very intriguing. I think that's gonna be the one thing that a lot of people are gonna be kind of toiling over in the next few months. Be like, all right, so no color timer. Does that mean you know there's no the the three minutes might be taken away because that would open up for uh, grander fight scenes where you don't have to worry about like, you know, you know, keeping it self-contained because if you're doing a movie, you're not rushing on a production schedule and you can give, you know, you can give the people as much Ultraman as you want. So, but it looks, looks fantastic. Got to say, uh, I'm quite happy and quite, quite surprised by the restraint shown on this. So it might, it might, it, it again, does indicate that we are thinking one thing and they might be delivering another thing. Who knows?
Okay, ladies and gents, this is a warning for what's coming. I'm about to go on a, probably a long-winded jag about fandom in general. And if you don't want to listen to me complain for like the next 10 minutes, you can go ahead and skip to the end. But I got things to say. So, last week, after the big word that came out that Godzilla vs. Kong was being delayed, this thing we all kind of knew was coming. Uh, there was a big convention, a Comic-Con, down in Brazil, and Warner Brothers had a huge panel. They were going to premiere something. So it was. It turned out it was the Wonder Woman 1984 trailer. And it looks great. looks fantastic. But before the trailer, they had a nice little sizzle reel of their upcoming slate, which includes Birds of Prey, Scoob, the new big CG Scooby-Doo uh, animated film, which actually looks phenomenal. I, I I can't wait for that because there's a lot of stuff that they're not showing you in that trailer that that's going to be in the, it's it's going to be their their Fast Five slash Avengers of the Hanna Barbera verse, and uh, I, I I think people are going to be pleasantly surprised with that. But we did get point I think I think it was like point twenty two eight seconds. I don't know, it's something ridiculously minute but in that sizzle reel that someone with their flip with their camera phone shot because they weren't supposed to by the way there was no phones allowed but at any con someone always gets it someone's always sneaky enough they always get it they snapped uh about two the two seconds of effects footage that is done for godzilla versus kong so this is the first bit of footage anybody in the general public has seen of this movie and it shows kong writing a freaking roy nelson-esque haymaker and kind of jumping and then we get the next shot of him swinging down at godzilla from a like a master shot like wide and you don't see either of them because the sun's behind them so we kind of see him in silhouette and it looks like they're on a, a giant aircraft carrier fighting. And then that was it. Now, any other in any other realm, any other world, people have been like, oh my god, that was awesome. Ten years ago, that would have just been like, did, did you see that? Like, holy, holy crap, that's Kong and that's Godzilla. And they're fighting. It's real. It is now solid. It's, it's reality, people. It is coming. Believe me. I've spent my entire childhood dreaming of a rematch of Kong and Godzilla, especially a big budget one where you can have, you can do things that the suits could not do back in the sixties. But it was, to me, it was never going to happen. Once you understood rights, you know, character rights and stuff like that. I never in a million years thought I would ever see a rematch between Godzilla and Kong, but God damn it. The good people, Thomas Toll, even though he's not, you know, part of Legend anymore, the, before he got kicked out, his one last decree was making sure this movie happened. I, I'm pretty sure this is what his life has lived up, been moving up to as it is. The, we're getting a big budget Kong and Godzilla rematch, and not only that, we're kind of, it's coming off a Kong movie that was phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I love Kong Skull, Skull Island. It is the Kong movie I've been hoping for for a long time. My problem with the Kong films has always been rehashing the original one. 
I love the Toho movies because they dare go off in another direction. They dare to be wild and weird with it. I know a lot of Kong viewers are like, ah, that's not my Kong. I'm like, what do you want? Like, you can't keep redoing the Beauty and the Beast story. And I know a lot of people, much, it's it's like the Terminator. Just give me the future war. A lot of people are like, just give me Kong on Skull Island being the king there and fighting dinosaurs. And for some reason, no movie could really properly deliver that. I don't know why. Maybe it's a budget thing. Maybe they felt that no one really wants to watch that kind of spectacle. Even Peter Jackson, for as long as he, as he stayed on Skull Island with his version, he was still beholden to that original film. All he did was just remake the original Kong as he saw in his head all these years. I like that King Kong movie. Is it the best Kong film? I don't know. It's, to me, it's still the original. But Kong Skull Island, was it, it delivered on that notion of just give us Kong on Skull Island and the, the stuff he's going through. My only complaint is that I wanted to see more mega fun of running around on that island. I know that there's more out there besides the skull crawlers and the few big insects and stuff that we got. I know there's other monsters on that thing. I wanted to see that. Like, give me that. But I get it. They're hoping to do more of these movies down the line, so you got to save something. And now we got Kong fighting a worthy adversary. He's fighting Godzilla. And we're coming off King of the Monsters. To me, the absolute quintessential, perfect American Godzilla film. Like, I don't think you're ever going to get any better than that. It was a fantastic love letter. And people all... it. <laughs> It gave you everything that any fan ever wanted, and yet all people have done all summer was bicker and pick at it because it wasn't a runaway hit. And that because why wasn't a runaway hit? Well, now we got to look at everything. We got to we got to micromanage and you know sit through every little thing to see what went wrong. Now everyone has an opinion on the film. You know, some people don't find it perfect. Some people are like, yeah, it's a good movie. Is it a great movie? I don't know. That's fine. If you want to take a dump on it for the sake of taking a dump on it, then we're going to have words because I legitimately love this film and I do believe that it is a good movie. And we can have words on whether or not you think it's it's not, and I'll probably tell you in many ways you're absolutely wrong. Like there there's there there's opinions, there's takes, and then sometimes you're just being a jackass for the sake of being a jackass. And I think there's a lot of people that are like that. That in in fandom in general. That's where we come to this Kong and Godzilla footage. Two seconds. Two measly little seconds that weren't meant for the masses in general. It was shown in Brazil, of all places. At a big show, but Brazil. At a panel where cell phones were not allowed in. So this sizzle reel was only supposed to be seen by probably those 3,000 people in the room. And someone managed to get their phone out, take two snippets, and now it's a GIF online that's, you know, running, you know, nonstop. It's been, Warner Brothers has done everything in the power to try to take it down, but it's out there. And the screenshots are out there, too. And they're blurry. But you get a good idea of what it is. I woke up, you know, Saturday morning. My brother had sent me this text. like, hey, did you see this? And all I saw was Kong midair throwing that haymaker and... Godzilla, and it was just this beautiful, you know, scenery, and I'm like, holy shit, and I'm just like, it's it's real, it's now, like, it's finally real, like, it, it's, it's happening. Now, 
instead of being happy, be like, okay, cool, we got a little bit of a leak. We got something. All anybody has done for the last week and a half is complain. Why are they on top of an aircraft carrier? Why are they fighting? That's dumb. People, it's two giant goddamn monsters. This is not reality we are dealing with. We just watched a movie where a three-headed super space dragon fought a giant a giant dinosaur that can breathe fire while you know a secret branch of the military had a super ship that by all means should not move as fast as it did or maneuver in the way that it did but it did you know why because you take a little leap in logic that no one no one should you know no one said anything about 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 that about the the freaking helicarrier that was you know the monarch you know argo but for some reason standing on top of an aircraft carrier in the middle of the ocean which we don't even know it's that it could be it just could be the way that the shots are. they could be fighting at the end of a dock for all we know but for the for the most part it looks like they're on top of an aircraft carrier and if that's true to me that's kind of awesome like there's something there's something childlike and wonderful about that notion of these two giant monsters in the middle of the sea fighting on top of a moving city, which is essentially what these things are. I don't know if, if many of you have ever seen an aircraft carrier up close. I've seen a few. We had we have one or two that come down to San Diego every once in a while, and if you can see them up close, like these things are are moving. They, these are they're floating cities. They're floating cities. I, I that's to comprehend these things. So is it really that much of a stretch that there might be some ultra carrier out there that these things could stand, possibly stand on? With it? You just can't leave well enough alone. It's And that's the problem with everything. No one is grateful about this stuff anymore. No one goes like, oh my, yeah, cool. Like, please, give me more. It's what I've been dealing with Star Wars fans for the last two years. It's what I dealt with with freaking Voltron fan. Oh. So... As I'm recording this, today is the one-year anniversary of the, the the series final of Voltron, Legendary Defender on Netflix. Uh, much like Godzilla, Voltron is very near and dear to my heart. When I was a kid, it was one of the very first things that I remember ever watching. Getting up, my mom sitting me down from the TV, and that TV coming on, and hearing Peter Collins just angelic voice read the haiku that is the opening of voltron that show to me is a religion for the atheist that i am i worship at the altar of voltron i love that show and and i'll admit as an adult has it really held up that well not really you can really see the flaws in the editing but it was still the 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 core concept Still holds strong. I, I, I'm not ashamed to admit, I get a little teary when I hear that that opening theme. Like, just, it's this, that rocking score. It's, it's like, hope and wonder and imagination. It's all these things wrapped into one. And, you know, I never, you know, as a kid, that's, I got Voltron and that was it. I never got to watch Vehicle Voltron because it was never in reruns out here in Southern California, ever. So I didn't get, I didn't get exposed. I did not get exposed to it until I was much older, even though I had the vehicle Voltron as a kid. So in the mid-90s, we got a sequel series called Voltron Third Dimension, which tried its best. I'll give them credit on that. 
but did not live up to what it could have been. It was a CG series. It was a direct sequel to the original. It had a good voice cast. It was CG animation at the time when you had Beast Wars and Battle Planets and Reboot. But even then, the quality wasn't that great. So it was a so-so show. It had some good ideas. And then at the end, it kind of just became limp. And then like another like eight years after that, Nickelodeon tried tried to take a crack at it with uh, Voltron. What was it? It was uh, Voltron. It was what the hell? It was it was um, was it Lion Force? Oh, Voltron Force. Voltron Force. Again, another sequel series. And they introduced three new kids, and they played with the methods of Voltron, and you know they upgraded it, and they you know explained things like you know. You know, why didn't they transform to Voltron? They had some good ideas. Animation was god-awful. And in the end, it was still, like, primarily aimed at kids. And I, I go on... I Like, I love animation. And I think there, there are times when you have a show that's aimed specifically at kids. Just little kids. And that's fine. And then you have stuff when you're trying to initiate some nostalgia... You have things that can be written that anybody can watch. Uh, most recently, a show uh, that I have absolutely enjoyed on every level was called Star vs. the Forces of Evil. It's on Disney. It's actually on the Disney streaming service now. It, you know, for a 35-year-old guy, it'll be like, why the hell are you watching this? I'm like, it's delightful. It's whimsical. And it's smartly written. And it's beautifully animated. It's what I love about animation in general. And... That show's amazing, and I anybody can watch it. Like it doesn't it doesn't talk down to anybody. It treats things as as you know as adult or not adult. I think that's the wrong word. In a mature way, you know it it speaks to kids and it speaks to adults in in, in a mature way without sounding stupid. And it's like much like the Ducktales reboot that's going on right now. I'm catching up on that. Masterfully written. It's written with both kids and adults in mind, and. In no way does it treat the source material like it was stupid at all. And these are fantastic things. So when Voltron, when Netflix announced, hey, we got Voltron. We're doing Voltron Legendary Defender. And they had two of the best animation directors around, you know, being the showrunners. Uh, Joaquin Dos Santos and Lauren Montgomery, who both came out of the Warner Brothers animation uh, uh uh, guest department if you will they both directed a bunch of the dc animated movies lauren famously directed green lantern first flight which was fantastic joaquin did a lot of the shorts he directed a ton of episodes of justice league unlimited which to this day is still one of the finest animated series finest series in general in general so when i heard that i'm like oh oh shit yeah this has potential and then when I finally got to watch it, it was it was lovingly animated. It was animated by the same studio that did Avatar: Legend of Korra, another great show. But with both that both Joaquin and and Laura were working on. So a lot of that team came over and made Voltron. It was fantastic. It was it took the original show and made it brought it into the mainstream. It brought we brought it up to date and treated it, you know thoroughly you know straightforward like it's this intergalactic war and we got these people they're kind of thrust into it and i was happy to see for you know the next two three seasons like people showing up like kids showing up, like oh my god this is great voltron like 
finally getting to see something from my childhood that was niche that you know you see a lot of people my age or a little older they they love it but you don't see any kids because there was no exposure to it and now all of a sudden like whole swaths of people at, at conventions and stuff like that are just like oh my, it's amazing my buddy who grew up on it like with me he has two kids and they they he's like dude it's it's awesome i come home they're like dude yeah voltron's on can we sit and it's like yes we sit and we watch two episodes and we, we you know we spread it out we enjoy it we we take our time with it it would it's a beautiful time and then you start seeing complaints start packing up and i'm like all right you know little things and then the last season which delivered this magical uh it, it was a wonderful uh, homage to Robotech, to the original Voltron, to just mech uh, animes in general. And when it ended, it ended on it ended on a a uh, bittersweet note too. It was a little bit of the Gurren Logan ending. If you know that, I'm not going to spoil it. If you go watch it. And once it ended, I went online. I'm like, you know, let's let's see what other people thought because I I loved it. I loved the way it ended. Nothing but complaints. Absolute trashing the show. Why? Because the show did not go the way that these new little, these new fans, these little weebs did not want it to go. Because they were hoping, because they were all obsessed with the cute little boys in the show. And they wanted their little shipping, you know, little hookups to happen. Because that's, that's what, you know, the anime fandom has become. It's become, it's all about, it's all about shipping. It's all about what characters are getting together and who's doing who. And, I sat there just absolutely disgusted because you're these these people were given something and not only were they like all right cool but let me just take this little chunk because that's all I'm interested in and if the creators could just focus on that you know we'll be cool I, I saw people go to such great lengths of saying how crappy this show was because it ended because the characters they wanted to get together were either killed off or they didn't get together because you know they didn't take all the wild leaps of logic to put them together i blame cora for that the core ending was a very was very much a fan like fan push like to these 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 two same sex characters getting together it's not the idea that the fact there's two same sex characters getting together is the fact that they that the creators pandered to the fans in this one. And it was something that kind of did come out of, like, left field. At the time, you're like, oh, snap. Like, that's cool. But now, now it gives leeway. It gave leeway to, to fandoms, especially young fans who, by the way, live in an age where everything is at their fingertips. And they're kind of used to getting what they want right away. And when things like that don't happen, they get super shitty. You know who other fans are like that? Star Wars fans. I have never in my entire life been so disgusted by a group of fans than st modern star wars fans the last jedi i have never heard such bitching and moaning from grown-ass men over a film that did not go the way that they wanted it like i can hear again going back you want to argue merits of actual filmmaking of story on it I, I personally don't believe Last Jedi is a, a, a perfect film at all. I have my my, quibble, my quibbles with it too. But I still liked it. I thought it was a, I thought it was a good film. I liked the, the bold ideas where it went. I, I was actually complaining it didn't lean harder 
left with where it was going with it because it's much like Shin Godzilla. It's a kind of a deconstruction of the whole series. I liked it a lot. But for but for a lot of people, they were like, oh, no, Luke's coming back. And he's just going to, if we're going to pick up where we left off and we're going to revisit my childhood, Luke's just going to take care of everything because screw these new characters. That is the thing I've been kind of saying since day one. I'm like, you should have never put the legacy characters in there because now we have problems like this. And now we have the crappiest people on the face of the earth who feel betrayed that, you know, their favorite thing did not go the way that they want because... And this is a mentality that I, I'm trying to find where it was. But it's as a man who's been going to Comic-Con since 1994, has been in dozens of Hall H panels, there was a point, and I believe it was a Mar- it was Marvel, and it might have been John Favreau of all people who said it, where they laid in. This was right, right as the cusp of the nerd culture was really becoming mainstream. You guys are the, you know, you guys are the true... True, like it. I'm paraphrasing it, but they're like, you guys are the real, the you know, the real, you know, it was about fans, and it's like, you guys are the real people that kept this, you know, keep these things alive. That you know, you're the you know, you're the owners of it all. South Park kind of kind of said it best in uh, their episode where they mocked George Lucas and Steven Spielberg, especially Lucas, for tweaking with the Star Wars movies, where they're like, you know, and I believe it's Kyle that's or Kyle or, or Stan that, that tells him it's like. You know, once you make certain things, um, and it's out there, it belongs to the fans. Part of that is true. The other part is, is that it's it's not owned by the fans. It is still owned by the people that make them, by the studio that owns it. Up until 2012, Lucas owned Star Wars. And he was free to do with it whatever the hell he want. Now that Disney owns it, they're free to do with it whatever the hell they want. Lauren Montgomery, Joaquin Dos Santos turned in the uh they, they turned in the voltron that they wanted and with godzilla and kong we're getting the godzilla and kong that the execs want and that adam wingard is is putting out there and yet no one is happy with it because for some reason fans feel emboldened to think that they're the ones calling the shots and that that's not a good thing that is not a good thing at all the idea of this is of this especially of commercial art it's not art i phrase it as commercial art real art if you want to you know make something and you put it out there for everyone to see and you have you're just for the pure sake of creating art that's one thing but if you're creating something to sell to people that's a different thing and that's i that's where we're, a lot of us are losing our perspective on these things, especially when everyone gets on their, you know, their high horse to proclaim that all this, this stuff is supposed to be Marvel. Oh, these are all art. It's like, no, no, the commercial art. These are all intended to make money. It, it comes down, especially with Star Wars fans who feel that they're entitled. Because with, with these Star Wars fans, with these Voltron fans, with these Star Wars fans started and other fandoms I've, I've seen start taking off when they, when they don't like something that happened in their their favorite show or their favorite movie, they feel that they are entitled to take that back from the intellectual rights holders. There was a there was a point where I saw no less than three different lawsuits attempted at Star at Last Jedi. There was an attempted remake 
Like, someone really thought they were going to get the entire cast back together, and they were going to rewrite Star Wars, and they were going to get an effects company to do it, and they were going to be like, we're, we're fans, we're going to lead the charge. That is the biggest load of bull I ever, I, I was on the ground making dolphin noises at that, that concept. That is such a narcissistic, BS, like, ugly fan kind of thing to do. I saw that with, with, with Voltron as well. There was fans that were like, no, no, we don't like this. We're gonna go back and we're gonna we're gonna get everyone to we're gonna get all these fans here and we're gonna reanimate the proper way that season eight should have ended with and it was all gonna be just characters hooking up. And that was it. And I and I again I was nonstop dry heaving. And that's what I saw this week with people complaining over the idea of Kong and Godzilla fighting on top of an aircraft carrier. Just non-stop bitching and at that point i'm just like none of you deserve this none of you you're all spoiled you're all completely spoiled you have your ideas there are people that are like well i hope toho gets back and do what and do do what there are people that absolutely hated shin godzilla huh there are people that that hated the millennium films there are people that hated the the heisei films what is your perfect idea everyone has their perfect idea in their head of their perfect version of their favorite character. But guess what? You're not the filmmaker behind it. And that's the reality of it. You don't get to call the shots. You're not the writer. You're not You're not chosen by the people in charge to put your stamp on it. Very few get that opportunity. And none of them, for the most part, ever want to turn in something bad. I can tell you from talking to writers and directors of, of, both, car, of both animation and film writers for comic books they don't want to turn in something mediocre because part of it shows they can't do their job the other part is that a lot of these people are fans of the works that they're doing especially a lot of this legacy stuff a lot of star wars stuff a lot of this the godzilla stuff there are people that have love for this i mean michael dotry loves this stuff and yet he turned and he turned in the best movie he could and for some people that wasn't enough or that was just they're like, oh my god, you, you ruined it. It's like, how? How? Why? What What did you want to see? You know, you can't... And I, I've been I've been thumping this for years. You can't continue to live in the past. Like, nostalgia is a great thing. We all hate growing old. We all miss our childhood. But things are going to change. Things are... You're going to have to accept it. And you're going to have to roll with it. And, things, and the things that you love, the things that stay around... Move on with it too. There's a reason why characters last for salons because they roll with they roll with the times. Godzilla wouldn't last for 65 years if it wasn't updated every now and then. And if it wasn't take, seen through the eyes of different people. The original creators are long gone. No one that no one involved with those creative wise with those original films, they've been dead for years. Anything now is just someone new adding to that character. It's the same, you know, you could say Stanley and Jack Kirby created the X-Men. But you could argue Chris Claremont did far more for establishing the X-Men as they are today than Kirby and Lee ever did. They get the credit, but Claremont was the guy that pretty much made the X-Men what they are now. And now you have um, the current reboot going on, and that, yeah, I'm blanking on the guy's name off the top of my head, but he's adding his own spin, and people are complaining about it, and some people are actually loving it. So... Just be thankful that it's still around. 
There's stuff that I wish would be around today. Believe me, there's not a day that goes by where I'd be like, God, I would murder. I would murder for like a good big budget Dino Riders film or anything of that sort. There's a lot of stuff from my child I would love to see brought back. But you know what? It's probably never going to come back. And you know what? I'm, I, I got to live with that. I, that's that's fine. You know, And there's going to be new stuff that I'm going to discover. There's stuff in my teens that I discovered that, you know, I never, I never would have known what Devil Man or the works of Gona Guy were until I, you know, until I came across a tape at a, at a video store. I'm like, what is this? And my taste changed. They evolved. They moved up. So it's, it's like moving from a kid with a yummy face when all you wanted to eat was candy until when you become an adult and you're like, I could go for a juicy steak right now. Something as a kid you never would have liked. That things move and evolve. And I would hope that people would just sit there and plead and take it in. Just be thankful that you live in this day and age where you have a constant bombardment of entertainment. And by the way, I also don't believe that is a healthy thing either. But that's a, another rant for another day. But be thankful. Be thankful that we're even even, even getting this stuff at all. The, there's no world before three years ago where Kong and Godzilla rematching was even a twinkle in anybody's eye. And then somebody got the rights together and put all the work together and now it's coming out. Now, whether you not you think that's going to be a great you know thing, I, I don't know. The movie's not out yet. The movie won't be out for another year. So you have a long time to see. And then you judge that final you judge that film on its final product. Could be good, could be bad. We don't know. But I'm assuming it's probably be more or less the same as uh, as King of the Monsters. And if you can't sit there and find any joy in that, then I weep for you because you have completely lost touch with reality. Then because I there, there's no other way to go about this stuff. I mean, at that point, might as well just you know sit in a rut and just watch the old stuff because you're never gonna get anything new that's gonna satisfy you. <sighs> They're on top of an aircraft carrier, people. It, it's it's fantasy. It's make-believe. Enjoy it, because that's the whole point of it. They're giving you something you're never going to see in real life. That's the fun of these things. And if you can't find that, God help you. You, you can't find the fun in that. God help you all. Jag done. Let's uh, let's wrap this uh, let's wrap this up. 
because uh, you've been listening to me drone on for almost like an hour now. So I want to thank everybody that entered our Kaiju Christmas giveaway. Uh, everybody that's won has uh, been informed and they have received uh, their tracking. Their stuff should be on the way. Uh, I want to thank uh, the winners Kevin Durndorf, Kyoi Toshi, Peter Quint, Andrew Roebuck. Hopefully you guys like what you're getting because that's uh, part of the fun, part of the fun of all this. I like doing this every year because I like giving. I love Christmas. The, the heathen to me is not, you know, I'm not a religious man, but I love Christmas. I love, and I love the idea of Christmas, like the jolly fat man of Santa Claus giving out gifts to everybody. There's, there's, that's universal. Everybody can love that. And I love that, that aspect of it. So that's why I do this. I, I do this for the people that listen to us. I enjoy when I, you know, I run into people at G Fest or other shows like, Hey, you know, I listen to your show. I like you and Jessica. I'm like, thank you. So this is a, you know, a thank you back to everybody that's been following us for the last uh, going on five years now thank you so much so hopefully you follow us into 2020 we got some uh some improvements to the show coming hopefully and uh some some awesome guests lined up for the next year and uh i you know my goal is to you know put out more episodes than we have this year i think this year we did a lot more than the year before you know jessica and i schedule is hectic at uh, at best so I, uh, I appreciate everybody that has stuck around with us between sometimes huge swaths where we don't put anything out. I'm going to try to rectify that for 2020. That's, uh, that's one of my, uh, my, my big, um, uh, resolutions. So, and, uh, on that note, this will definitely be the last episode, uh, of the year. Jessica comes back next week. We, we go into the holidays. So we're, uh, we're going to come back with the, with the, with the new year with recap of Jessica's wild travels that she's been going on in Japan. And we have some awesome interviews lined up and a lot of other cool stuff coming your way. So on that note, I want to thank everybody. This has been a fantastic year. Uh, G-Fest was awesome. <clears throat> We're going back next year. Uh, hopefully we can do a little more. My goal is to you know, get something bigger. I got some, uh, some ideas I want to run by some people. So hopefully we'll, we'll see what that is. Again, improvements coming to the show. More episodes coming. And uh, Merry Christmas. Happy Kwanzaa. Whatever your uh, your holiday proclivity is this time of year. Thank you, guys. And uh, on that note, you can find more of us at on Twitter, at the Kaiju Kingdom. On our Facebook, where most of our the news and stuff pops up. Uh, it's facebook.com slash the Kaiju Kingdom podcast. We are also on Instagram. Just find us at the Kaiju Kingdom. And, uh, yeah, if you want to write us, it is the.kaiju.kingdom.podcast at gmail.com. If you have any feedback, you leave it there or leave it on the Facebook page. I'm running that, so you're always talking to me. Nine times out of ten, Jessica pops in there every once in a while. And, uh, yes, so that'll do it for the last episode of the Kaiju Kingdom Podcast of 2019. Thanks for listening, everybody. And we'll see you next year.